hey, I, I went to the camp yesterday and it was great to be there with the young people and uh, see a group of 60 or 80 or more gather for the baptism service on the beach. It was just great. And uh, great to know that it was a, a, a weekend of ministry of the Holy Spirit into your lives. And great to know that he came in such a special way. It turns out that the theme of this current preaching series is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I want to speak about him this morning. What I want to do is magnify the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's job is to magnify Jesus. But I'd like to magnify the Holy Spirit. I wonder if he gets forgotten sometimes. You know, we, we're so enthusiastic about uh, what Christ has done. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to be uh, such a friend and a comforter and a helper and a strength that we need to acknowledge him and, and, uh, and walk with him. So I want to magnify his person and work this morning. But let me start with a story. One day, God had a meeting with himself. You know, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he had this meeting. And the Father said, Son, I want you and the Spirit to go and sort out the problems on earth. I mean, it's just not working out. People are fighting each other, saying bad stuff, and thinking worse. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. And the son said, Dad, couldn't you just send an angel or inspire a prophet or two? Michael and Gabriel are pretty powerful, and they've been there before. Or imagine another prophet like Isaiah or even Jonah. He saved a whole city by his preaching. And Dad said, No, son. I think it's going to take a bit more than that. Lucifer is too cunning. He's incredibly deceptive. He's running rings around my people. The law isn't working. It's just tying them up in knots, and everyone's just trying to work their way into my good books without really changing their hearts. I reckon you need to go and show them how to live. Telling them isn't working. Famines and earthquakes are a bit of a negative approach. You go and show them what it's like to be my son. So the son said, Okay, Dad, I'm ready to go. Just give me the word and I'll head off down. Thanks, son. Oh, and one other thing. When you're there, can you just sort out that sin problem once and for all? Do whatever it takes because it's getting out of the hand and it's getting in the way of what I want to do for my people. And the son said, Sure, Dad, whatever you say, I'll do. Meanwhile, the Spirit is waiting nearby, listening to all this, and he asks the Father, what do you want me to do? And Dad replies, I want you to wait a while. The Son will go first, and he'll make a real impact. It'll be so powerful, it'll blow their minds. They won't know what's hit them. Then when he gets back, you can go. They'll need your help to know how to handle it all. They've got so much to learn about living their lives in relation to me and to each other. It'll take a while, though, probably a couple of thousand years. I want all the people on earth to hear about this new plan, so you'll have to travel around a bit as well. And while you're doing that, Son and I will wait here. Holy Spirit, it's a big job you've got. But the angels will help, and I've got lots of keen men and women to, to help as well. Then... When you're finished, let me know, and I'll send the son back to you, back to join you. I reckon this plan will work, and I reckon it's going to be amazing. 
Well, at the end of the book of Revelation, when the Spirit's work is done, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And Jesus replies, okay, I'm coming quickly. And that's the end of that story. You know, God, God's purpose is unchanging. God's purpose is unchanging. But his plans to get there have changed and are changing. His intention from the beginning is clear. It's not one thing one day and another thing another day. His, his intention is clear, but his plans to get there have changed over the years. He's not double-minded about his purpose. So what is his purpose? Well, the purpose of God is twofold. One, to populate the earth with mankind who will govern the earth on his behalf. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule. So we find in Genesis chapter 1 the original purpose that God had for mankind. Be on the earth, populate it, be fruitful and multiply, and then govern it on my behalf. He says subdue it and rule. To subdue or rule means to take dominion, as it says in some Bibles. It means to take control. It means to govern, to manage, and to lead. God's original purpose is that mankind fill the earth, exercise authority, and govern the earth. But God's plans to achieve his purpose have adapted over time. Plan one was Adam and Eve in the garden. Plan two, you might know the story, well, it was Noah. Plan three, Abraham was called. Plan four is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Plan one failed by Adam's disobedience and he was cast out of the garden. All right, the plans are changing. Plan two failed because Noah's descendants became independent and obsessed with their own power. They had to be scattered from the Tower of Babel. Plan three failed when Abraham's descendants became self-righteous and hypocritical. They were sent into exile. In plan four, the Holy Spirit is seeking out a, plan, a, a people who will want to know him be conformed to his image and be his heart and head and hand in the world today. And plan four is what I want to speak about today. This is the plan that involves the Holy Spirit. I saw somebody had a t-shirt the other day um, and on it that said, there is no planet B. I thought that was quite clever. <laughs> There's no plan B. There's no other plan. This is the plan the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the plan for working on mankind, changing him and bringing him back to fulfill God's original purpose. We see in Ezekiel chapter 36 that it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And in verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And if you know your Bible, you know that the original plan involved 
Well, there were several plans. I've just outlined them. There were several plans. But by the time we get to Ezekiel, Ezekiel says there's a new covenant, there's a new way, and it's going to be this. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And this is the plan that he's, he's, um, he's using to achieve his will. So Jesus came first and sorted out the sin problem. Okay? He came first and sorted out the sin problem. I mean, he knocked it for a six. Hit it right out of the park. Someone said he took us the sins away as far as the east from the west. I can't get my head around that, but I don't think they'll be back. Sorted. And then he showed us how to live. So that's what Jesus did. But then the Holy Spirit was sent to help us live like Jesus. So it's like a, a one-two combination, all right? It's not just a, not just a one from, uh, from Jesus. It's a one-two combination. We know that's a knockout combination. The Holy Spirit is that second factor. The Holy Spirit is building on Jesus' work and making us into the sons uh, fit to rule and reign with him. Years ago, when the church was first established, um, the Apostle Paul was traveling, and he came to the city of Ephesus. And uh, he, he was just sharing with them about, about what God is doing. And, um, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And so here's this unusual situation of, of people who've accepted the Lord, they've accepted Jesus, but they haven't heard that there even is a Holy Spirit. I wonder how that is in your life. Where, the, where does the Holy Spirit sit in your life? Have you experienced the salvation and the forgiveness of Jesus, and does it stop there? Or do you know the presence and the power and the comfort and the help and the strength of the Holy Spirit to lead you on from that point? Galatians 3.3, 3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You know, he doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't leave us, uh, save us, and then just leave us to sort it all out. But he has sent the Holy Spirit to help us work things out. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? It won't happen, right? It won't happen. We need the Holy Spirit to work things out. We... we Thoroughly depend upon him. Okay? Um, we can be saved by, yes, trusting Jesus, but if we're going to go through to becoming mature and uh, learning how to reign and overcome sin and defeat the enemy, we need to have the Holy Spirit as well. We'll just skip over to the 10th um, slide, thanks. So what does it mean? What, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? I want to list three things. I want to just go through three things that the Holy Spirit does for us. And the first one's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 
gosh, we parrot those verses off, don't we? Without realizing this was a, a letter that Paul wrote to this church in Thessalonica um, because they were on his heart and he was addressing some needs in their church. And he's saying, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. Well, big words. But, you know, to know the Spirit of God um, diagnosing issues and then healing us is just such a tremendous thing. I see sanctification by the Spirit. I see that happen in two ways. Number one, I just, I just love the way he's able to diagnose the real root causes of things that trouble us or oppress us or um, affect us in different ways. And the second thing is, uh, it's, it's almost like as soon as you know the truth about the situation, then you have the healing as well. So two, I see two aspects to sanctification, diagnosis and then prescription. But uh, really it happens all at once. When you seek God and you find the root of issues that we are coping with and trying to handle and manage and work through, as soon as God shows you what it is, is there's healing straight away. I know that I can spend hours, days, and even months and years wrestling with some issues. But the moment the Holy Spirit uncovers the root issue, I know the answer, and I'm healed in the same moment. The Holy Spirit is such a master of diagnosis. Some of you, perhaps many of you, have heard of Angus Buchan, and he's famous for that movie, uh, Faith Like Potatoes. And uh, he was a great man of faith, a South African man, I believe, great man of faith, who, through hard situations, learned to hear God and walk with God and exercise faith and see amazing things happen. I mean... Uh, and Cecil would know this story better than me, but um, I think thousands used to come to his farms or come to his farm for men's conventions, and uh, he would just share and minister very powerfully. And he had a great influence, not just in South Africa, but beyond. And so this movie was made about his life. But Angus Buchan had a moment of tragedy, when he was driving his tractor one day, <clears throat> and his nephew, I think this is how the story goes, was sitting on the tractor with him. Unfortunately, the nephew slipped, and he fell, and Angus ran over him and killed him. And what a tragic thing to happen to this great man of faith. And he was, of course, he was just beside himself with distress and and uh, concerned at what, what had happened and, and, um, and, you know, troubled by it for a long, long time. And maybe you can identify that with that. Maybe there's something that you've been troubled with for a long, long time. I want to give a word of my testimony shortly, but uh, for Angus, he sought God and he sought God, and then one day God showed him. And uh, God showed him that the little boy was in a better place. And straight away, the oppression lifted. You know, uh, God's perspective on things is not our perspective. 
And as soon as he was, as soon as he, he knew the truth of the situation, he was a free man again. And as a, I can just say as a personal testimony myself that uh, there have been many, many times when I haven't known uh, the reason or the source or the uh, why I would feel oppressed or, or sad or distressed or uh, under accusation or whatever it is. But so many, many, many times I've committed it to the Lord and, and just gone to sleep. And God speaks to me in dreams and just dreams as clear as a bell. This and this. And sometimes, uh, and, and Sue will tell you, this is not something that happens just once or twice. It's several times a year I find I have this sort of experience. And um, the Holy Spirit is just wonderful, the way he's able to diagnose things. I can be having a, a hassle, which I think is all about these things all over here. Go to sleep, commit it to the Lord. I mean, commit it specifically to the Lord. Really intent. He says, go into your bedroom, go into your room, close the door and pray. And I think the significance in that, you know, when we really just get alone with God himself, don't want an answer from anyone else, God himself, close the door, go to sleep. And then during the night, time and again, He's just, he's just so amazing. But you know, the amazing thing is too, that while I think the problem's over here, he shows me it's something away over here. It's never, often it's not anything to do with the things I'm concerned about. You know, it can be to do with somebody in my family or in my father's generation or... Uh, it can be to do with um, whole lots of things. I can never predict it. I can never predict what the answer is going to be. I'm over here with my hassles and my stresses and oppression and and uh, Holy Spirit. He's just amazing. Every dream's different. I trust that He speaks to you too. I trust that he ministers to you. It might be from the word of God. Maybe, maybe God's word speaks to you and just touches that thing which is the, the truth of the situation. Perhaps it's in dreams or visions or circumstances or whatever it is. We can never predict. But I know one thing. When I ask God for something, I just wait. And the answer comes. The answer comes. It might be minutes, it might be overnight, it might be days, but the answer comes. The Holy Spirit wants to minister to us. He wants to cleanse us and purify us and make us holy. So, where are we up to? He's chosen us for sanctification. We don't have to carry these things all the time. We don't have, we don't have to carry them. But we give them to him. Don't try to work it out ourselves. Let him. 
and he's just a master at diagnosis. He's amazing. The second thing that I would like to share about the work of the Holy Spirit is his leading of us. He leads us. We have to be willing to be led. If we're living according to the flesh, we must die. But if this, by the Spirit we're putting to death the deeds of the body, we live. And Romans 8.14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Okay. We need to know what it is to be led by the Spirit of God. To be led means, in a way, to be arrested. I've written this down somewhere here. And another translation is to be open. You know, to be open so that God can, you, can lead you. It's, it's to be led away. So it's like, all right, somebody else is in charge. But you know what we have to do? We have to give him permission. We have to give him permission. It's not a tussle. And a, it's we are giving him permission, and then he leads. Okay? He leads us, and then we can act like a son of God. Yes, uh, to be led means to be arrested. It means to surrender. It means to yield power. It means to give him permission. Do you know that our outward leadership is a result of our inner willingness to be led? Those who lead must also be led. If we wish to lead, we must know what it is to be led. And when we are led on the inner man, then we can lead in the outer man. King David was like this. He was, a, he was Israel's greatest king. But he knew what it was to have the touch of the Lord on his life. There were some men in his kingdom, which surprised me when I read this, who were too strong for him. Too strong for him. It says that. I thought he was the greatest warrior. You know, he was... Uh, he was such a, a battler. But no, there were some men in his kingdom who were too strong for him. So what did David do? He gave it over to the Lord. And the Lord dealt with the problems. So with us too, as we recognize this... Um, no, I'll leave that part. Galatians chapter 5 is a great chapter on being led by the Spirit. And four places there in this chapter 5, it says uh, uh, similar things. It says we are to walk by the Spirit. It says we are to be led by the Spirit. It says we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And we are to live by the Spirit. To walk means the way we conduct ourselves. And to be led is to be open. To bear fruit is to produce things, to be alive, uh, to live is to be made alive. If we live according to the Spirit of God, the entrance into God's kingdom will be abundantly supplied to us, says Peter. But the flesh and the Spirit are in opposition to one another. 
Anybody here find that? The flesh and the spirits are opposition? I mean, real opposition. There's a huge war going on inside of you and inside of me. It's a war. Uh, it's, it's not a bed of roses. It's not all easy going, and I, I don't want to make out that it is. There's a war going on. It's, a, it's like, it's great, but it's, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> the flesh and the, and, the, and the spirit, they're in opposition to one another. But if by the Spirit we are putting to death the deeds of the, of the flesh, then we live. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and to bear the fruit of the Spirit and to live in the Spirit? It means to have right actions, words, and thoughts towards God, towards my neighbor, and towards myself. So I'm trying to make this practical, not just spiritual, all right? Um, what does it mean to, uh, to walk in the Spirit? It means, well, I've got right actions and words and thoughts towards God. I honor Him. I respect Him. I walk in His ways. It means that I have right actions, words, and thoughts towards my neighbor. And it means I have right actions, words, and thoughts towards myself. So let's walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and bear fruit for God. Now the third thing, the third thing about the Holy Spirit is He gives us power. And we all know this verse, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. This can mean that we sense the power of God while we're sitting in our seat. But in my experience, it's when I need it that I experience it. And you might say, well, I don't sense the power of God. Well, are you in a situation where you need it? When you're in a situation where you need it, then he turns up. And uh, he says... If we set about to live a godly life, we'll certainly come across situations where we need the power of God because all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So just to ask the question, when and how can we access the power of the Spirit of God? The first thing is when. When you need him, that's when you'll know his power. He's not, putting in, he's not into just putting on a fireworks display for the sake of it. Okay? He's not just got a blazon of, of, of um, fire over us to show that we've got power. But when we need help, that's when we can call on him and he turns up. In Psalm 22, David was surrounded by his enemies, the power of the dog, the lion's mouth, the horns of the wild oxen, and these are metaphors for the de demonic powers which were arrayed against David. When he was in that situation, he called upon God to save him, and that's when God delivered him. And the second question, how is the power of God revealed, uh, wielded or uh, worked through us? I think it's by wielding the sword of the Spirit, by declaring and confessing and believing and proclaiming the Word of God it, um, it uh, makes a difference in our situations.
Finally, I just want to, well, we've covered three things. The Spirit sanctifies our lives. The second thing is He leads us. The third thing is that He empowers us. But I want to finish with this thing. Uh, the Spirit Himself. The next slide, 13. Remember that the Spirit is a person. He is your personal comforter, counselor, helper, and friend. Proverbs 18.24 says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and the Holy Spirit is that kind of a person. He may do lots of different things for you, but I would like you to remember one thing. He's your friend. He's your personal friend. He is your personal comforter. He's your personal helper. Don't have to remember the one, two, three, and he does these things, and he can do all these, and da-da-da-da. He's your friend. Whatever you need, he's there for you. Okay? It's just so good to get to know him. In Romans 8, verse 16, I like the way Scripture says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit himself, he can speak for himself. He is a person. The Spirit himself says, uh, you are a son of the living God. And then in verse 26, is it? In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses when we pray. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes. It's like, yeah, he's a real person. The Spirit himself, he doesn't need to refer to somebody else, um, somebody else to be his mouthpiece. He himself, he's a person. He, he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So it was the personal presence of the Spirit in their lives which led to the believers in Antioch being called, being called Christians. Because the Spirit was so present with them, they saw that these people are like Christ. And Christ means anointing. They had the anointing in their lives. And such was the power of the Spirit in their lives. It was the personal presence of the Spirit in their lives which led them to be called Christians in Antioch. And so also for us, if we give him permission to sift through our lives and reveal the root causes of our sin, we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us as sons and daughters of the Most High. If we call upon him when we need him for power, we too will show ourselves to be real believers and worthy of the name Christian as well. May God bless you with these thoughts, and I encourage you to take the time just to spend get, getting to know him, to talk to him about the things of your heart, because he's well able to minister to you and make a huge difference. Amen. God bless you.